Available on all podcast platforms. This is the Psychology Cast, the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do. Welcome back to Psychology Cast. We have a familiar guest with us on this today's episode. You might have listened to her podcast before. I know it's had a lot of plays and a lot of downloads in our previous conversation. But we are welcoming back Sharon B, who is actually in the process of a training clinical psychologist or clinical psychologist in training. Um, I think we're going to find out a lot more about what she is doing currently at the moment, what training has been like, and more importantly, how is she keeping up her motivation? Welcome, Sharon, to the show. Hello. You say keeping up motivation. It hasn't been going great today. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> What's going to go like then? Oh, so today is a study day um, and I've just had loads of assignments over summer. This is the final assignment. So it's my um, draft method section, for my thesis, which feels very premature. Um, but it's just one of those days. It's gloomy outside and I'm tired. So I've needed a lot of coffee to get me through. But yeah, it's part of training. Just one step at a time. Are you in your first year or second year? I mean, how far into your programme and how long is the programme, sorry? Yeah, so the programme is three years long. Um, I've just, I'm, I'm kind of in between first and second year now. So I'm still in first year, but when I go back to teaching in October, I'll be a second year, which is really weird. It's gone quickly. Yeah, because in another six months, you're halfway through the programme, right? Yeah, and I'm trying to remember the last time when I was on the podcast, whether I had even got onto the course yet. I don't I know. You were applying. I think you were applying. Yeah. yeah. So it's weird how quick it's gone. How do you think your first year, like, what do you think you, what's, what's the take home message, would you say, with your first year? Like, what did you, for you, like, oh, yeah, this is, this is what first year was about. Just for people listening and say, if you would say to them, like, what, well, what does the first year entail? What would you say? Um, a reality check, I think. Um, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so in the way that everyone or a lot of people, um, I don't want to be too kind of general, but a lot of people do put training on this pedestal um, and a lot of people work really hard towards it. They think it's um, yeah, it's just placed very highly and it is an amazing position to be in and I'm very grateful to be a trainee clinical psychologist. But there's also, I went in with the idea thinking that I would go into training and learn how to be a clinical psychologist and how to do CBT and how to do, you know, systemic therapy and whatever. But actually, it's it's not that um, didactic. There's a lot more reflection. There's a lot more kind of self-directed learning. And a lot of my learning has come from placement. So in that way, it's, it challenged my expectations for what training would be. And then also, it's it's really developed me as a person, which I knew would happen. Um, but again, not to the extent that it has done. Um, so again, it was that thing of I thought training would be mostly about my professional self but actually I think it's been about 50 50 this year between my personal and professional development that's so that's so you know um interesting you do the words um that we see training on a pedestal like it, yeah. what what would you say like what do you mean by that like to the listeners do we is it do you think it's because like we see it as some sort of like you know like uh, stimulating fascinating exciting energetic we're gonna learn about this we're gonna be doing this is that what you mean it's like, like glamorous or 
Yeah, I think glamorous might be the right word. Um, yeah, I think because, and it is an amazing, you know, career to get into. It is such a privilege to be able to say that I will be a clinical psychologist after this, but we almost forget about those three years in the middle yeah. and actually they're really hard and I've only done one of them. Um, and so that's why, yeah, it does it glamorize in a way, but it's weird saying that because I knew it was going to be difficult. It's just a different kind of difficult once you're actually on the course. Um, I think I also thought that when I kind of got this title of training clinical psychologist, I'd know a lot more and actually every week I, I don't know what I'm doing there, there's at least one point during the week where I have literally no clue and that's part of the training process but that's also a really hard thing to kind of get to grips with and get to you and get used to is just being incompetent and kind of knowing what to do with that um yeah you said um, reality check reality check like you said about personal uh, like um, personal development professional development this is 50 50 mm. like what, what do you what do you mean by that so I don't know if it's because of kind of my stage in life. So I'm 25. So I think kind of that is quite a pivotal point in development for most people. But then when you're also doing that alongside a three year course, which is kind of wanting that change out of someone, it makes everything move a little bit faster. But I think it mainly came from when I failed my OSCE, which I, I know we were going to go into later, but it's okay for me to bring it up now I think that was where most of the kind of personal development stuff came up for me because actually I realized that I hadn't been so secure in my own identity and myself because of how me failing that assignment impacted me because it really impacted me in a way that it shouldn't have it was quite disproportionate and it really kind of shook everything in my life um which might sound quite dramatic, but I think that just shows how maybe just, yeah, I don't think I felt fully confident in myself in my personal life. Um, and so it made me think about, okay, what can I do to kind of strengthen my own like values, my own sense of self, and then begin kind of like integrating my personal and professional. So it was really from that fail, um, that things started happening there. But again, it's many times of confidence and kind of figuring out like who I am as a person, which is really big questions. But I guess that's a similar question to what's being asked of us from the course. They're asking us, you know, what kind of clinical psychologist do you want to become? That's such a big question, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And do you know the answer to that? <laughs> I don't think I ever will. Yeah. don't think I ever will. But um, I think loads of people, I've spoken to people on my course and they all have kind of a similar experience. They've had the same kind of questions and that's why I think they suggest you know going to personal therapy which I have begun now finally um and that's helped I think that was a really good and important step um but also just really thinking about how I'm spending my time outside of work um and prioritizing that part I think because it's like psychology is a very you know um, it's ingrained everyone has psychology in them because the way we think, the way we make decisions, and when we study it, you cannot separate it out from your your, your personal self, like I said, to the professional self, right? Um, and it, I think it's like it's quite confrontational when you mm. learn about things, isn't it? About worldviews, about the way different things work, and because it tells us a lot about itself. And it's it can be a very big shock to you when you've not done much or not exposed yourself to much introspection. But this must be a bit more deeper that you've done 
yeah I think so and also my first placement with it was in a adult community mental health service so there was a lot of um people who had really difficult kind of experiences and a lot of trauma and when you're faced with that three days of the week it does make you think about the world in general and how crap it can be um but then it also makes you reflect on your own experiences um so I guess yeah that confrontation with the experience of others and I think because I haven't just been sat in one service I've gone from working age adults now older adults I've been exposed to such a range of people um and across the lifespan as well so it's that thing of like reflecting on my own kind of almost mortality again I've learned a lot from working with older adults um so that's led to some reflections on you know what I want from life and where I see my life going um and I think that's part of kind of what my course in particular kind of wants us to do is reflect on those like impacts from our personal lives as well and how that impacts our work um so I guess it also depends on the course so I guess if anyone's listening to this now and is thinking about you know applying to the doctorate it's about thinking about what course or what what kind of attributes you want to develop as a trainee and as a clinical psychologist if you want to take more of that reflective stance where you're thinking about your identity and your work and there are definitely some courses which focus on that more than others I, I think like you know you, you can tell like you know in this conversation to the conversation we had on our previous podcast you know um obviously I'm not saying the normal intelligence but saying that there's, there's definitely growth yeah. I can see in our in our interaction do you feel you've grown yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely I can even like now it's, it's interesting because we haven't really spoken that much between those podcasts so it's almost like it's weird because I'm also back in my bedroom at home as well. So it's it's this really weird um, mirroring of what we did a year mm. and a bit ago. Yeah, and I, I do feel that it feels so different. And yeah, and I think that that is quite a good image of just how much I have changed. Um, not necessarily in a bad way, but yeah, it just yeah. is what training does to you. And that's only in one year. It's so, the point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess with being a trainee, you do have more responsibility. It's not like being an assistant. Um, obviously, my supervisors do carry the kind of responsibility for the clients, but I'm I'm making the majority of the kind of clinical decisions now. Um, and so you do kind of have to grow up a little bit, <laughs> I guess, in that way. Yeah, I can imagine. You, what's the word? Um, that jump. But did you feel you feel pressure, like now making decisions or making making some decisions when from when you were not making decisions? Yeah. Did you feel any sort of like pressure within you, like oh my god, I'm doing this, you know, should I check this right? Those kind of feelings. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I mean, in my first placement, it wasn't so much of a kind of push from my supervisor to make those clinical decisions I think they realized that you know I'm a first year trainee I I've you know got this amount of experience so they were kind of being more they were kind of scaffolding more of it for me in this placement from the get-go my supervisor was like it's all on not all on you but I'll let you run with an idea and if it goes to crap then that's when I'll step in but really this is a place for you to learn and you make mistakes and that's absolutely okay um, but that's not to say that I've been able to do that easily. There have been some assessments where I am so unsure or just not very confident in my own clinical judgment that three, four sessions in, I've had to ask my supervisor just to come in to observe, to see if I'm doing all the quote unquote right things. Um, and it tends to be that I have done it okay. 
so there's this sense of you know I do just need to grow my confidence a little bit and that's also in my personal life as well um so again it's that it's that mix between personal and professional it's all really linked together mm-hmm. um so yeah it's 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 happening slowly but there are some days where I have zero confidence or things will happen like the fail in the OSCE which really impacted my confidence in my clinical skills um or just some tricky situations where things are harder things are a bit more sensitive um things like for example with um, I'm doing quite a lot of dementia assessments at the moment and that's kind of what I did as an AP so with that I feel quite confident um but then there are other areas like in therapy and stuff which yeah confidence is a lot harder to kind of grasp there it's a skill to master and, you know, well done for like just, you know, attempting it and participating and not, you know, walking away, um, you know, at least you're still pursuing your journey. And I think that's quite refreshing to hear. And that, yeah, of course, like when there's new learning spaces that you, you come and you feel a bit anxious or you feel a bit like, what the hell's happening here? I don't know what to do. Confidence is low, uncertainty and familiarity. So you've already mentioned, I don't know what, it, what it, I think the word you said is OSCE or something. Uh, yeah. Did you, did you want to explain what that means just for the audience? Like what was it? Yeah. And what, what was the assessment? And then what happened? And then how did you, how are you moving forward with that? Yeah. So um, the OSCE, OSCE stands for Objective Structured Clinical Examination, I think, off the top of my head. But basically it's a 20 minute um, exam where you are having a session a fake session quote unquote with a an actor um and in these 20 minutes you need to kind of meet all of these competencies um the competencies are largely based for my course anyway and i think for most places that do an oski um largely based on the ctsr which is the cognitive therapy rating scale ctr something yeah something like that so it's based on the cbt model really um and you've got 20 minutes to for our one we had to assess formulate and provide some kind of intervention in 20 minutes wow (laughs) it was just intense um and you're given a vignette beforehand um to kind of work through work from but then you're just yeah doing the session with this client um so I, I, from the get go, I knew the timing element was going to get me because I'm, it's, it's really artificial, isn't it? You don't do a session in, in 20 minutes ever. Yeah. Um, and so already going into it, I thought, you know, if, if I don't do so well, it's okay. Like I know that I've passed my placements. I've had really good feedback on placements. It's a 20 minute exam. Like it doesn't, it do, it's not a true reflection of my skills. Then obviously I failed. And, and to be fair, I only failed by, I think like two, three marks, but it was still like a fail. Um, and I did have to reset um and the feedback was mainly around my um my kind of being present with the client um or with this actor so it's not a real client but with this person um which I kind of could understand because what I was doing was I had a timer next to my laptop Mm. so that I could pay attention to the time because we had 20 minutes and I had so many competencies to kind of tick off in my head um, and so I kept kind of like looking down at that and not at the person. Um, and because I almost went in with this plan on how I was going to meet the competencies and make sure that I was, you know, formulating in a efficient way. Again, I think that's what also stunted that kind of just connection. 
with the person um and so and that really came across and 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 also I got pulled up on on not being as kind of authentically warm which for me is just such a weird thing because I'm such a warm like person yeah, in general yeah, in real um, life, yeah. 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 And, and even in, with clients I've never had that before um and so I think that's also why it, it was such a hard fell because it almost felt like an attack on my personality because I was like oh gosh maybe I'm not not actually as warm as I thought maybe I'm coming across cold to everyone I know and it which obviously isn't the case um but yeah so it really really hit me hard it was it was really quite I got the feedback while I was on placement I, I had to take myself out of the office um to just kind of have a breather um and the weird thing was was that after I received that fail I then had to go and do a session with a real life client so you can imagine yeah. how that impacts someone's like confidence in their skills and the emotions and yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was a strange one um but I guess, yeah, it was because, and then after that, I was just really upset for about a week and very angry at, at myself, at the course in some ways. Um, I'm sure there was some kind of like displacement going on, on, on going on there. Um, but I guess it did, it did highlight, I don't want to, yeah, it obviously isn't the most realistic reflection of my clinical ability because it's a 20 minute session. But it did it did teach me some things about how when I when I feel like I have a task at hand or if I feel like there's something quite time sensitive, I can become quite um, task oriented. And that is something that has been kind of pulled up before in in on placement is that I can get quite a bit like task focused and just quite rigid because I feel like oh, I need to get through all of these things. But then I was reading an interesting article about being like a novice therapist and about how we do become so task oriented because that's almost the measure of like our success. And that's the only way that we can feel competent sometimes is to like do things rather than just like be with the client Then actually being is so important, but it does sometimes feel like as a trainee that, you know, I can't just sit there in a, in a room with them and just not kind of do my assessment protocol or go through all of these different things. Um, Cause we are being assessed on placement and we are being assessed through these things, but yeah, I guess those are kind of my main reflections from it. Um, I could go into how I think it isn't the most valid measure of people's clinical skills, but I'll probably leave that. Um, yeah. No, um, but thanks for sharing. I think, like, you know, um, it, it just gives um, good context for the audience to listen. Oh, okay, that's how it works. And the question I had there, one, the only one question is like, so I don't think it's possible to create um, um, a warmth in, a, in a, an exam setting because mm. it's not a real setting so mm. therefore and and, and uh, warmth and empathy they're natural feelings so when the environment is not natural because that's what that this is what we teach in, in you know in certain spaces around um environments if it's controlled like a lab then you cannot there's there's methodological issues basically the setting issues and yeah. you're thinking actually is this can we create the same you know energy if you like Mm. energy compassion whatever you want to call it um in an exam saying like how do you measure them and i don't think it's possible because it's not a a natural setting yeah mm -hmm. and i was just in fight or flight for the whole time yeah. especially in the second one um so it, it's really hard to think and you know we have to kind of have that emotional intelligence as well as kind of the logical part of our brain 
switched on in order to assess and formulate and just kind of create a coherent narrative for the client and yeah so I completely agree with that but they're not going to scrap the OSCE anytime soon because they get the same they get the same feedback every every year I know a lot of people I know kind of the PWP course does it as well quite a bit um but it's just one of those things um with training sometimes you know they they are they're commissioned by the NHS so there are some things that they do have to do in order to prove to prove why they're paying trainees and that's another thing that I'm learning is that there are these kind of wider things that are out of the courses control and maybe even out of the trust control that kind of dictate what training is like for trainees um it's maybe why we are kind of doing so much all of the time it's almost to prove potentially that we are worth that that pay which I get um because we are very lucky to be paid while learning um so yeah unfortunately it's going to keep happening I'd love to say that they're going to get rid of it but they're not I'm hoping they use the word we use the word develop, isn't it? They develop that side of the Yeah, I mean I'd rather do a whole 50 minute session. I would rather do that exam. I I I really would. Hmm. Um so you did the reset, right? Yes. You did the reset. Um that's what happened afterwards. So how long would you say between that the, the time that you the failed that one and the reset? How many was that weeks, months, days? Oh, no, that was no, they gave me I think they originally gave me a week. But okay. I, said, cool. um, I couldn't do that because I was on annual leave. So then I had two weeks instead. Um, but it was a weird one because I was thinking, well, how am I going to develop as a clinician in two weeks? And how am I going to tick all these boxes? Um, but I met with the person who marked um, Myoski and kind of thought about what she was looking for. Um, and essentially just did what she was looking for in the reset, which wasn't my authentic self unfortunately and I'll be honest I'd love to say that oh I I learned loads and 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 I kind of was really authentic in the in the next one but it wasn't like that I I definitely was more with the client that's something that I was authentically doing in the reset but otherwise in terms of what they were saying about kind of the type of formulations they wanted and things like that I just kind of gave them what they were asking for and again it is also that thing and and qualifiers have said this to me you just sometimes have to give them what they want and just be good enough Mm-hmm. um which is really difficult when when you're trying to be you know everyone wants to be their them real selves and they yeah. don't want to kind of fall into the trap of just trying to fit into a mold but unfortunately sometimes you just you kind of do have to um mm-hmm. and that's with anything in life I think sometimes you just have to kind of pick your battles and get through it I suppose it's part of the training you're in training mode so it's sometimes it's about going through the procedures and becoming familiar with um you know certain parts of the program and so you know it's it's more like skill development isn't it it's like and that's sometimes that's the way I frame him like I don't really want to do this but if it's part of my training I do it because it's useful to know this bit of the job yeah a bit about the protocol a bit about the procedures um so when I'm facing that situation I have some exposure to it previous you know it's always taken a positive spin on it (laughs) No, no, definitely. Because I mean, I I learned so much from that fail. I really did, even though I didn't agree completely with all of the feedback or the setup of the exam. I mean, it taught me so much, but also the way that I could reflect on failing as a trainee. I think just being able to speak about that on my platforms is really quite like, I don't want to say it. I I didn't realise how many other people had been through that same situation. I think it's very important for aspiring psychologists to see that even when you're on training, even as a qualified, you will fail. Um, 
and part of this profession part of it is quite toxic in the way that it is so perfectionist and that's the way you get in and that's the way you kind of need to be sometimes but we do fail and so I do see like my Oski fell as quite like it, it was important that it happened and I was going to fail something at some point in training yeah I'm, you know there's that saying is that we learn more from those moments than we do when we're not in those moments right so they teach us a lot about ourselves and about our gaps where to improve yeah um, there's 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 a lot of students that you know we give a lot of feedback to in our you know sort of programs and the main aim is all about student-centered but it's to help them develop because if we just give them like um very basic like you know yeah you're doing well and that's it they they don't they won't find any value in that so if we say to them like five things you need to address, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. It will give them the materials to focus on and they develop their role skills and abilities. Yeah. They're much more of a, of, a, um, of a person to get to their goal compared to a person who didn't receive any feedback. I think feedback is important. Yeah, definitely. And I was even speaking to one of my uh, mentors about this and, and she was saying how, you know, it's kind of good that it stopped you in your tracks and made you question yourself a little bit because there's nothing worse than kind of being a clinician who is overly confident um and even though I'm not the most confident person it, it did it did really make me just reassess everything and it made me kind of think about what what kind of literature I want to be reading more of and it, it just made me want to be better um so I think yeah it, I kind of needed it as well at the time I'm enjoying this conversation because this is like, you know, like you can see, like I said previously, the growth, but also one year on, like, where are you? And it might be good to do one, maybe it's this time, this time next year. I'm saying, okay, well, what has your second year gone? Like, I wonder what, what's happened to the other person and who, who they've become. Yeah. Um, so what would you say then, like, you know, what are your expectations or what you're thinking for your second year, like what you expect? anticipating there might be no anticipation but yeah I think that's one thing I've learned about the doctorate do not have any expectations for anything um at all (laughs) (laughs) just just kind of go with the flow and that's one yeah that it it really has taught me how to be really flexible but for the second year I mean we've got a lot of systemic teaching which I'm really excited for because I've been using that a little bit already um yeah I really I really don't know I'm I'm just expect because now I have a sense of like how much it does develop you as a person it's just kind of scary to think how much I'm actually going to change between now and like next year um but I just hope a lot I hope a lot of the development will be around like my confidence in like clinical skills and things like that um so I mean I'm expecting that more I'm expecting more kind of um pressure is not the right word but maybe I'm kind of supervisors letting us almost do what we want or encouraging that mindset of yeah it's your clinical skill it's your clinical judgment here it's not mine um so I'm expecting more of that and potentially more leadership stuff potentially yeah I mean I, I think even like so next year I will ask you similar questions around and it'd be good to see like you know did the um the actual thing that worked to happen in that year did it did it match on to what you were expecting um, or what you think you might be doing? Yeah. But um, good to see that. And plus, um, I think just in general, like, it, it, you know, the well-being side of it, you know, the personal development, you know, you said professional personal development. Um, yeah, because we we seem, to, we seem to distance ourselves from this, you know, therapeutical sort of approach to our own yeah. as part of actually of our development. And, and maybe a stigma to do with mental health and all this stuff that we, 
see it as on the outside, but actually it should be just like, you know, having having like, you know, um, food and drink every day. Mm. We should normalize it. What do you think about that, about being in a therapeutic, um, doing therapeutic things? Yeah, no, I think it's really important. I think that's one thing that came from my OSCE is, is yeah, personal therapy was a thing that I had, I should have been doing right at the beginning. And they do tell you, they do suggest that. Um, but I kind of thought, oh, why am I going to need that? Like, I'm, I'm feeling all right at the moment. But again, because of the amount of growth that I was doing in such a small amount of time, it was, it's like growing pains, I think, is what I was kind of sensing. And I needed it at that point. I think, you know, you can go into therapy for preventative reasons. And but also as a clinician, I've learned so much from my therapist. And I'm like thinking, okay, like in my next session, I want to do something like that because they have skills that you you might not be aware of and or things that they're doing that you don't particularly like. And also just to know what it feels like to be on the other side and to go into a room and and have to be vulnerable with essentially a stranger. And I, you know, I'm I'm lucky I I've I was able to kind of find a private therapist and so I get to choose who I get but for our clients in the NHS they don't get to choose and so even that reflection is very interesting for me um so I think every I think people if you can um to 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 go into your own kind of therapy when you're on training which is what they recommend I didn't listen but please if you you can do it (laughs) no I I think because you're dealing with like really you know um you know wounds right and these wounds, as a natural thing, have an impact on on you. Like, you know, if you're exposed to certain things, then it changes your perception. It confronts things for you. Mm. And therapy should be seen as some sort of like a way to, you know, self care, um, look after yourself, and empower yourself, and just like treat those things that you need to. It's like if you if you've gone running, right? Mm. Um, you do your body needs to recover. After yeah. like a, you know, after running a marathon or like going for like sprints, there's a recovery process, you know, and it's it's, an, it's a nature, it's part of nature. So um, yeah, I'm a big believer in people getting um, in therapy. You know, it's I think it should be normalised, right? And it but, doesn't always have to be um, act therapy. I mean, if I was speaking to one of my supervisors and, and they were saying how it doesn't have to be actual therapy, but as long as you're kind of doing things that are therapeutic for you yeah, yeah. and it's so everyone tells you about self-care. And I, again, I thought I was doing it, but clearly I wasn't doing it kind of well enough or enough of it. Um, but also things kind of like journaling and just being aware of, of your own internal processes. I mean, that can be enough for some people. So it doesn't necessarily have to be in that kind of physical therapeutic space and also utilizing things like, there are loads of reflective groups out there, which, you know, you sh- you're not using them as therapy, but they can be helpful in um, just processing some of your thoughts about work. And, you know, re- yeah, it doesn't have to be in the conventional sense, right? You can be reading a book, reading a journal, a blog, um, playing it back in a certain space, like, oh, this is quite interesting to do. Whatever makes you feel what's connected to using it. Yeah. So if people want to to get in touch, I presume everything is still the same as last time. YouTube, and social media available. Um, so we've about um, with a few with a couple just under a couple of minutes to go. I'm going to hand over the microphone over to you. And if you want to got any few words or advice for people listening into this podcast, then um, please feel free to share that. And we will hopefully see you next time to see how you're getting on. 
Yeah, I completely forgot that you asked this question until we were like going through the conversation. I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to have to like figure it out. <laughs> yeah. um, oh gosh, you really put me under pressure now. Um, I think, I guess the one, the biggest bit of advice that I think I, I needed going through like the process into psychology was, you know, you're more than just your job and you're more than just psychology. And it's really important to kind of nurture those parts of you as well because that's really what's gonna help you through the process um and if you put too much of yourself into psychology then what will happen is that when things get tough it's gonna start to really make your own identity and yourself crumble um so yeah just focus on those other parts of you outside of psychology available on all podcast platforms this is the psychology cast the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do.